Amen, amen. Man, I love that song. I got saved. Have mercy, right? <clears throat> what a great message in song. Well, have mercy. Now, I say that statement quite a bit a lot of times around my house and in the office and here at the church, and people get on me about it sometimes and kid me a lot about me saying have mercy. But, you know, when you say have mercy uh, to people, it could mean you got to be kidding me. Or it could mean, uh, I just can't take much more. Have mercy. Or it could mean, have mercy. This is just so wonderful. Have mercy. I'm just overwhelmed. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Just have mercy, right? Well, today we're not going to talk about have mercy. We're going to talk about having mercy. And we're talking about forward mercy, as a matter of fact, as we've been looking at this idea of boldly forward for his glory, the glory of God, the life of David. And we're going to turn our attention again to David again as we think about how he has, and shows how he has mercy. Now, last week we looked at the topic of forward learning and how David was in the midst of the university of adversity or the school of struggle and how we all have been there and how we learn things as we go through that university or we learn things as we go through that school. But more importantly than we learning things, we learn Him. We learn about the Lord as we go through that time. If you were not here last week, I'd encourage you to, to go online or to get that, to, uh, that CD or what have you. Go online and get that and listen to it. Uh, but as we move from last week into how we are learning as we go through the schools of adversity or the university of adversity, today we're actually going to ramp it up a notch, if you will, uh, in our walk to press forward. Here's the thing. <clears throat> in our walk as believers to press forward, to move forward boldly as believers, what if those struggles, what if those adversities that we are facing or, are, or have faced what if those things are caused by someone? Someone we know. So how do we handle it? How do we handle them? How do we handle the situation when we go in through difficulties and it's caused by a person or persons? Well, what we find here today as we look at our past description in a few minutes is that how we, find, how we handle that is we have mercy. It's not going to be fun, I'll just tell you, all right? Because it's not always fun to have mercy when someone's done you wrong. Can I get a witness? Amen? Come on now. We will see that, however, in David, that he has mercy. Now, remember last week, we weren't so sure about what David was thinking and how he was living at that time as he was on the run against Saul. We'll talk about that in a minute. But here we'll see a little bit different, a little bit of a difference in David. And so let's be open to what the Lord is saying to us today as we think about this idea of having mercy. Having mercy. So we're going to read from 1 Samuel chapter 24. It's 22 verses. Uh, I'm going to read that for you. And so, in honor and reverence to the Word of God, if you'd please stand uh, as I read our passage for us this morning. <clears throat> now, it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines that it was told him, saying, Take note that David is in the wilderness of Engedi. And then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all Israel, went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. And so he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave, and Saul went in to attend to his needs. David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. And then the men of David said to him, This is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose, secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe, and now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. 
And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he's the anointed of the Lord. And so David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. David also rose afterward, went, on, uh, went out of the cave and called out to Saul, saying, My Lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed down. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men who say, Indeed, David seeks your harm? Look, this day uh, your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you today into my hand in the cave, and someone urged me to kill you, but my eyes spared you. And I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, see, yes, see the corner of your robe in my hand, for in that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you. Know and see that there is neither evil nor rebellion in my hand, and I have not sinned against you, yet you hunt my life to take it. Let the Lord judge between you and me, and let the Lord avenge me on you, but my hand shall not be against you, as the proverb of the ancient says. Wickedness proceeds from the wicked, but my hand shall not be against you. After whom has the king of Israel come out? Whom do you pursue? A dead dog? A flea? Therefore let the Lord be judged, and judge between you and me, and see and plead my case, and deliver me out of your hand. And so it was that when David had finished speaking these words to Saul, that Saul said, Is this your voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice, and he wept. And then he said to David, You are more righteous than I, for you have rewarded me with good, whereas I have rewarded you with evil. And you have shown this day how you have dealt well with me, for when the Lord delivered me into your hand, you did not kill me. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him get away safely? Therefore may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. And now I know indeed that you shall surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Therefore swear now to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants after me, and that you will not destroy my name from my father's house. And so David swore to Saul... And Saul went home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. Let's pray. Father, I pray that as we look through this passage of Scripture here this morning, that you would speak to our hearts and remind us again of what it is to have mercy. And Father, may it speak to each of us as we have been shown this same mercy in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that you would have your way in us. I pray that you would speak to us to hear what your spirit is saying to each of us individually. And Lord, may you be glorified in and through our lives as we walk away being more like Jesus and more in love with you. And Father, may the words of my mouth, meditation, my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, you see the outline for today's message in your bulletin, and we're going to look here at these things. And the first thing that we want to see is we're looking at this idea of forward mercy as that forward mercy, as we look at this life of David, rejects wrong advice. <clears throat> forward mercy, real mercy, a mercy that, that we must have, rejects wrong advice. Now understand as we're looking at this passage of Scripture is that Saul is on the hunt for David as we came to this passage of Scripture. Remember last week that, Saul, that David is on the run away from Saul, and now we see that Saul is on the hunt for David. As a matter of fact, we find in the first couple of verses that Saul has taken 3,000 of his choicest men in Israel, and they are searching for him. 
And so they come to a cave, or they come to an area, and Saul comes to a cave, and he doesn't know it, but David is closer than he realizes. David is closer to Saul than what Saul realizes. We find in verse 3, And so he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave, and Saul went in to attend to his needs. And David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. And then the men of David said to him, This is the day which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. Now it tells us here that Saul went in to attend to his needs. Now, I love the scriptures because it never minces words. And what you need to understand is what that's telling us is that Saul was going to the outhouse. All right? That's what's happening here. Saul's going to the outhouse. And he doesn't know that in the outhouse, in the back of that house, is David and his men in the far recesses of the cave. So what we find here is that Saul is in a very vulnerable position. And so as he's in this very vulnerable position, his men say to David, very quietly, I'm sure, in the recesses of the cave, hey, look, look what's happening. Saul is right there. Now is the time. This is the day which the Lord has said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, that you may do to him as it seems good to you. Now's the time, David. Now, fortunately, David's not the same David here that we looked at last week. Remember, he spent some time in the cave, and we know that God has dealt with his heart about trusting him. And so David, where last week we saw him, he was running, he was fearful, he was not trusting the Lord. But then we saw that he spent some time in the cave, and the Lord has dealt with him. And so now we find that David is inquiring of the Lord for direction and trusting him. And so now he is letting the Lord guide his every thought, guiding his every step. And now he wants to do things God's way. Now he's yielded to the Lord. But the men who are around him, who are with David, the men are saying, look, David, look, this is the day the Lord has given you, this day which he said, behold, I'm going to deliver your enemy into your hand that you may do to him as it seems good to you. But here's the thing. Nowhere do we find that the Lord ever said that to David. We never see that anywhere in Scripture that the Lord says to David, Look, I'm going to give the hand, your enemy to you so you can do whatever you want to with him. We don't find that anywhere in this Scripture. But you know what? As we think about that today, in today's world, in our society, there are still people who will tell you the same kinds of things. We who are believers have people all around us all the time. And just like what these men told David, they might say to you, if you're going through some adversity and someone has done something to you, they might say, you know what? You just need to do whatever you need to do because you know the Lord just wants you to be happy. You know the Lord would want you to set that person straight. You know he'd want you to do that. You know the Lord would want you to give them a dose of their own medicine because it would just do them some real good. Hey, that's what the world would tell us. You know what? Because here's the thing, beloved, the world does not understand mercy. The world advises taking matters into our own hands. Conventional wisdom says to kill the enemy when he is found, or to pounce when you get the chance, or make them pay. When someone does something to us, let's make them pay. Maybe it's not a physical thing that we do to them. Maybe it's that we give them the silent treatment. You don't have to amen there, all right? (laughs) Or maybe it's that we, 
we withhold ourselves from them. Or maybe we, there's something happens that we are making them pay. Maybe we're not thinking that you know, literally, but in reality, that's what we're doing. Is we want them to pay and feel some of the pain that I have felt from them. But forward, listen, but forward mercy, a mercy that looks like the Lord, a forward mercy rejects wrong advice and always asks the question, okay, what does the Lord say about this? So whenever we're in the midst of an adversity, whenever we're in the midst of a struggle and someone has done something to us, our first question must always be to go and say, okay, what does the Lord say about this? What does the Lord say about this? You know, if we listen to the world around us, here's the thing. We can rationalize sin. We can rationalize the sin of bitterness, the sin of hatred, the sin of unforgiveness, the sin of even revenge if we try hard enough. But fortunately, what we find here in our scripture is that David stayed true to God's guidance and his word, which is what we must do as well. Real mercy, first and foremost, rejects the wrong advice and listens to the word of God. Secondly, it rejects wrong advice and it refrains from retaliation. Forward mercy and mercy that that we are to have as believers as we're living this life of following Jesus is is a mercy that not only rejects the wrong advice of the world, but also refrains from retaliating from someone who has done us harm. Look at the end part of verse 4 and following. So the the men have told David uh, that now's the time. You can go get Saul. But we find the end of verse 4, David rose secretly and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he'd cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he's the anointed of the Lord. And so David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and he went on his way. You know, you can, you can just sort of picture this story, especially in the, this is a great, this would make a great movie, wouldn't it? Can you just sort of see this happening? Saul is taking care of his business. The men are saying, look, David, this is your opportunity. And so David, who has a knife in his hand, He's very quickly, very stealthily moves toward Saul. And he has a decision to make. What's he going to do when he gets up close to Saul? So what he does is he cuts off a piece of the robe. He doesn't kill him. He simply cuts off a piece of the robe. Now, beloved, listen. When someone does us harm, when someone does something to us, we really want them to pay. Oh, how we want to retaliate. That's the natural self. The the natural, the fleshly self wants to get even. We want them to pay, and we want to win. But our greatest struggle here in these types of situations in our lives, our greatest struggle here is not the conquering of the other person but rather it's the conquering of our own will. That is the greatest struggle of what I want to do, what I think is best, instead of doing what I know what God wants me to do, what the Lord has taught me himself. And so as David moves up to Saul very covertly, he has a choice to make with this knife in his hand. He could very easily have taken care of Saul once and for all right there. 
But instead, as he moves covertly, he decides to just cut a piece of the robe. Because remember, David's been learning some things about the Lord. He's inquiring of the Lord. He desires what the Lord wants, not what his men want, not what the world says, but what the Lord wants. And so he trusts him. And so David refrains from retaliation. He refrains from revenge. He has certainly had a lot of things that Saul has put forward on him, that he has come after him. He's been hunting his life. Certainly, there would have been a great thing just to be done with this King Saul forever. But no, David refrains from that retaliation and refrains from revenge. It, it reminds me of the story. Maybe you heard the story about the fellow who was told by his physician, his doctor, that he said to him, he said, yes, indeed, you do have rabies. Upon hearing this, the patient immediately pulled out a pad and pencil and began to write. Thinking the man was making out his will, the doctor said, Hey, look, that doesn't mean you're going to die. That's a, there is a cure for rabies. He said, Oh, no, I know that. I'm just making a list of all the people I'm going to bite. Because <laughs> we love to retaliate, man. Revenge. Revenge. A.W. Pink in his commentary says, Look, corrupt Our corrupt nature thirsts for retaliation. And it has a strong inclination that way. But grace should check it. Amen? Let me say that again. Our corrupt nature thirsts for retaliation and has a strong inclination that way. But grace should check it. How true that is. The Bible tells us in Romans 12, verse 17, repay no one evil for evil. Do you notice that? Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. 1 Thessalonians 5, 15 says, see that, no one rend- see that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. 1 Peter 3, 9 says, Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. And so here's the thing that for those of us who are believers, as we're going to go boldly forward into this world and be different from the rest of the world, that means we're going to have to act different and react differently. And so that as we, have, as we face the university of adversity and the school of struggles, and we have difficulties in life, and sometimes there are people who are the people, the ones who are pushing those buttons and causing that pain, then we must have mercy for them as well. Rejecting the world's advice, rejecting the wrong advice, and refraining from retaliating against them. Now, I just want to tell you before we get to this next point, that this refraining from retaliating happens to be the easy part. Y'all with me? That happens to be the easy part, because when we come to our next point, here's the next point. We are to repay with kindness. Preacher, you are off your rocker. (laughs) Amen, that's right. (laughs) You are off your rocker. How in the world can you say that we are to not only refrain from retaliation, but we are to repay them with kindness? Well, let's look at what happens in the Scripture, verses 8 through 11. David also rose afterward, went out of the cave, and called out to Saul. Now, of course... We know what's happened here so far. David didn't kill him. He cut the piece of the robe. David calls out to Saul, saying, My lord, the king. 
And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth, and he bowed down. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men who say, Indeed, David seeks your harm? Look, this day your eyes have seen that the Lord delivered you today into my hand in the cave, and someone urged me to kill you. But my eyes spared you, and I said, I will not stretch out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, see... Yes, see the corner of your robe in my hand, for in that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you. Know and see that there is neither evil nor rebellion in my hand, and I have not sinned against you. Yet you hunt my life to take it. So where do we see that David showed him kindness? Well, we see what he didn't do. This was the kindness that he did, is he didn't kill him. That was a great kindness that he showed to Saul, don't you think? He didn't kill him. But not only do we see the kindness in what he didn't do, but we also see the kindness in what he did do. We see that he calls him certain things. As David calls out to Saul, he calls him my Lord the King in verse 8. He calls him the Lord's anointed in verse 10. And he calls him my Father in verse 11. This is the one who's hunting his life, who wants him dead. But not only that do we see him, what he didn't do and he didn't kill him, and what he said, how he called him, my father, my, my lord, the king, the Lord's anointed. But then we also see that he does this, that he bows before the king. You see, bowing with one's face to the ground, as it tells us here that David did, bowing with one's face to the ground was a sign of great respect in that culture. David is showing Saul great kindness. And what he has said, what he didn't do, and what he did do. And again, the easy part was that he didn't retaliate. Doing nothing when someone does something to us, beloved, believe it or not, that's the easy part. But we are told in Scripture to return good for evil. So someone, let's say someone does something to us, someone has been the cause of our pain, and if we do nothing, if we just walk away from that, man, that's hard. Because we want to retaliate, but it's hard for us just to walk away from that. But then we see that we are not only to not do anything to retaliate, but we're also to repay them with kindness. Now that's hard. That's difficult. Actually, it's kind of radical, wouldn't you say? Kind of radical to somebody does something that hurts you deeply, and yet you're going to not only not retaliate, but you're going to show them a kindness. You're going to repay them with a kindness. Man, that is, that is radical. But you know what? Jesus was radical. Let me remind you what Jesus said. In the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 6, starting at verse 27. And you think this is hard? Listen to what Jesus said. He says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the cheek, well then offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? 
For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, well, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, Watch this. For he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. Therefore, be merciful just as your father also is merciful. You see, the Lord is kind to the unthankful and the evil. And beloved, you can insert our names there. For that is who we were. The unthankful and the evil. Apart from Christ. Amen. And yet he has been merciful to us. And he tells us to be merciful just as your father is also merciful. Then if you moved to Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 19. The Holy Spirit inspired inspired Paul to write these words. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you'll heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This burning coals on his head, that was an ancient Egyptian custom that was a sign of genuine sorrow and contrition. So as we do these things, as we show these acts of kindness, it is causing them to have a genuine sorrow for what they have done. God uses and works in the midst of that as we repay with kindness. We are to be faithful to what God has called us to do. Repay with kindness. Not only refrain from retaliation, but also we repay with kindness. That's forward mercy. That's a a bold, radical move for us. To reject the world's advice, to refrain from retaliation, and then to repay them with kindness... Pastor, how in the world can I do something like that? Well, here you go. Let me give you the next point. Because forward mercy rests in the Lord. It rests in the Lord. Look at verse 12 through 15. We see what David does. He's speaking still to Saul. He says, let the Lord judge between you and me. Let the Lord avenge me on you. But my hand shall not be against you. As the proverb of the ancient says, wickedness proceeds from the wicked, but my hand shall not be against you. After whom has the king of Israel come out? Whom do you pursue? A dead dog? A flea? Therefore let the Lord be judge, and judge between you and me, and see and plead my case, and deliver me out of your hand. And so as we come to this this point, we see that, listen... Here's the most active thing that we can do in the midst of the times when we're going through tragedy, we're going through difficulty, we're going through adversity, we're going through struggle, and and there's somebody who is the cause of that, who's the culprit behind all that, and we know them maybe personally or maybe we don't know them, and we have an opportunity to retaliate and show revenge. Here's the most active thing we can do. Rest in the Lord. Amen? Rest in the Lord. In the Lord. Because that's what we see that David is doing here. David is trusting the Lord, waiting on the Lord to have his way. The Lord will remove Saul in his own way and in his own time. 
And just a couple chapters over in chapter 26, we see that there's a similar incident, another incident that's very somewhat similar to what he finds himself in here. And uh, we find in chapter 26, verse 7, David and Abishai came to the people by night, and there Saul lay sleeping within the camp with his spear stuck in the ground by his head. By, by the way, Saul repents and, and is sorry, but then he comes back around and does it all over again, just so you know. And then in Abner and the people lay all around him. And Abishai said to David, God has delivered your enemy into your hand this day. Now, therefore, please let me strike him at once with the spear right to the earth, and I will not have to strike him a second time. And David said to Abishai, do not destroy him. For who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? David said, furthermore, as the Lord lives, watch this now, as the Lord lives, the Lord shall strike him. Or his day shall come to die. Or he shall go out to battle and perish. But the Lord forbid that I should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed. But please take now the spear of the jug of water that are by his head and let us go. David said, look, I don't know how his end is going to come, but his end's going to come. And the Lord's going to do it, not me. That's what he's saying. I'm trusting him to take care of this. Maybe it's when he dies, or maybe it's when he's in a battle, or maybe it's something else that takes place. But I am trusting the Lord to take care of this in his own time. And there we find that also here in verse 12, where he is saying, let the Lord judge between you and me. Let the Lord avenge me. He's saying, look, may the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord settle the question whether you're right or I'm right. He says, the Lord will be the one to make you pay. I'm not going to do it. In verse 13, he, he quotes an ancient proverb. He says, wickedness proceeds from the wicked. In other words, he is saying, look, Saul, I'm trusting the Lord in the midst of this. And I will not act like the wicked. I'm not going to do the wicked thing here. Because only wicked men would desire to avenge themselves. But he's saying, I'm not like other men. And beloved, listen, that should also be our calling card too. That we will not be like this wicked world, but that we will be different from the world and that we will show mercy. Amen? Amen. We are not of the world. We're different from the world. We have a radical Savior who teaches us to do radical things for a purpose and a plan that people be pointed to Him. The Lord says, vengeance belongs to the Lord. Vengeance belongs to the Lord, beloved. Listen. Vengeance belongs to the Lord and not to you. you say, well, Pastor, I don't, I don't know if I can carry that burden. Because that's just too much to bear. Refraining from retaliation, that's one thing. Being kind, that's a whole different thing. But then resting or waiting on the Lord's timing for Him to take care of this. Well, there's a passage of Scripture, a couple of them actually you need to write down if that's you today or that's you, that all of us will be in at some point. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your care upon Him because He cares for you. And Psalm 55, 22 says, cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you and he shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Beloved, listen, this is a burden, but it's a burden that the Lord carries for us. We must be people of mercy. And so we cast that before the Lord and we rest in him. So forward mercy rejects wrong advice. It refrains from retaliation. It repays with kindness and it rests in the Lord and then with a right, this is the last point, with a right response desired. A right response desired. Look at verse 16 and following. And so it was when David had finished speaking to Saul, that Saul said, Is this your voice, my son David? Notice he hadn't called him David or his son in a long time, but now he does. Is this your voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and he wept. And then he said to David, 
you are more righteous than I. For you have rewarded me with good, whereas I have rewarded you with evil. And you've shown this day how you have dealt well with me. For when the Lord delivered me into your hand, you did not kill me. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him get away safely? Therefore, my Lord will, will, may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. And now I know, indeed, that you shall surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Therefore, swear now to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants after me, that you will not destroy my name from my father's house. And David swore to Saul. Saul went home, and David and his men went up to the stronghold. So here's the right response that we desire in the lives of people who have done us wrong. And that is this. We desire a change of heart. We desire change of heart. This mercy that David has shown to Saul has caused a heart change in Saul. Even if only momentarily, it is a heart change. And he lifted his voice and wept, the Bible says, expressing, which is an expression of great sorrow and having many tears. And so here's the thing that we're looking for. Here's the right response that we're looking for in those who may have caused us great harm, and that is to have, that they would have a change of heart. Because here's the thing that we need to remember. It's not about winning. And it's not about being right. And it's not about having the final word, but rather to see a change of heart in the person. Because that is the most effective change, is a change of heart. Because here's the thing, beloved, listen. We can't force someone to do what we want. You cannot force somebody to do what you want and it to be effective. Amen? If someone has done something to you, betrayed a trust, or caused you pain, let me ask you this question this morning. What do you really want out of that person? What do you really want out of that person? A forced apology? A relationship that remains awkward? No, that's not what you want. What you're really looking for is someone who has a changed heart. And since that's what it is that we're looking for in that person, then our responsibility, those of us who are on the, the receiving end of this pain, our responsibility is to do this, to show them Jesus. Amen? We show them Jesus through how we act and how we react and our mercy toward them and, re, and not retaliating and and rejecting the world's advice, the wrong advice, and repaying with kindness and trusting the Lord in the process. So your goal in having this kind of forward mercy as believers should always be about the heart. It's always about the heart. But listen, it's not only about their heart, but it's also about our hearts too. And Pastor, you know, you've given me a lot to think on today. I just don't think I can do this. Well, you're right. None of us can. Because it's not natural. But it is supernatural. And so, it's the Lord who lives in us, who enables us through the Holy Spirit to be able to do these things. Because the real victory, listen, the real victory is when our own heart has been subdued and changed. You mean my heart needs to change? Probably. 
right? There are times when we go through this when we need to have the Lord remind us that our hearts are not right where they need to be either. That our hearts need to change as well. And our, heart, and our hearts change as we remember. As we remember God's mercy that is to us. You see, you can't control, listen, you can't control what that other person says or does or how they will respond. But beloved, you can control what you say and do. And what we need to realize is that none of us deserve God's mercy that has been shown to us. Amen? None of us deserve that. You see, as we look at this passage of Scripture, we like to put ourselves in this passage and see ourselves as David, when in reality, all of us are more like Saul, who deserve the wrath, who deserve the punishment, who deserve the penalty. And David pictures a better David, known as Jesus, who has shown us this mercy. We've battled against the Lord in our lostness and our sinfulness, rebelled against His perfect plan, and yet, even as we deserve His wrath and destruction, the Lord Jesus has been merciful to us. And as we realize His mercy, then that should evoke within us a sense of real repentance as we deserve His wrath, but He has been merciful. A couple of passage scriptures real quick. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. The Bible says, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into the marvelous light, into His marvelous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. And Ephesians 2, 2 through 5 says, tells us, In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature, we were children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is what? Rich in mercy. Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, has made us alive together with Christ by grace, you have been saved. You see, here's the thing, is that the Lord Jesus has been merciful to you, and he's been merciful to me, and so therefore we must be merciful to other people. That's just it. And so this bold boldly forward, forward mercy, rejects wrong advice. It refrains from retaliation. It repays with kindness. It rests in the Lord, and it desires this right response of changed hearts. And so here's three things real quick to do. Number one, ask the hard questions. These are questions that you need to ask yourself, okay? Ask the hard questions, such as, Am I harboring any bitterness in my life? Am I seeking to retaliate? Do I want to win? Am I refusing to show mercy? And these are hard questions, but we need to ask ourselves these questions. Secondly, once you get that answer, after you've asked the hard questions in your own heart and mind, then ask for help from the Lord. Beloved, he loves you, and he is there for you, and to walk with you and to help you to be more like him, to show mercy. Ask for help from the Lord. And then thirdly, 
do the heart thing. Do the heart thing. And that heart thing is to show kindness, seeking a change of heart, and trusting the Lord. Now, if you don't know this Jesus, it's going to be hard for you to do any of this. Amen? If you, know, if you don't know Jesus, you can know him by acknowledging that we're all sinners. There's no one perfect. But we all need a Savior to save us from our sins. And turning from our sin and turning to Jesus in humble repentance, believing with all of our heart, embracing that Jesus is God's Son, who died on the cross, rose bodily from the grave, and professing Him as the Lord and Savior of our life. It's a step of faith. If you've never taken that step of faith, we invite you to do that today. For those of us who do know Jesus as Savior, then we have some radical work to do in our lives. Amen? To live this out daily, all the time. But preacher, this is so hard. You don't ever have to deal with anything like this. You're the preacher. Yeah, right. Keep believing that. That's great. If we have breath in our bodies, there are going to be times when we have adversities and somebody's going to cause us pain. It's just going to happen. But how we act and how we react, how we react, describes a lot about who we are as believers. And what we really believe about Jesus. Let's live it out. Every day. And all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Father. We pray that you'd have your way in our hearts and lives. Lord that we would live for you and follow you. Lord you know that this is so hard. This is so difficult. But how we are so grateful for the spirit who lives within us. And enables us. To live the way you've taught us. In such a radical way. Lord, we don't want to do this in such a way that we win, but that you win. That you change the hearts and the lives of not only us, but the other people as well. That you'd guide us and direct us, Lord, to show them Jesus. That you would be real in our hearts and lives and how we act and react. And that no matter what the outcome, that we will have been faithful. We praise you for guiding us and directing us. We pray for this time of invitation, that, Lord, you'd speak to us, surrender our lives, surrender our hearts. Lord, if there are those who need to know Jesus as Savior or we need to recommit our hearts to you, whatever we need to do at this invitation, may you call us to this time of invitation to say yes to Jesus. For your glory, honor, and praise, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.